Hello, and welcome to The Embargoed, the only podcast that gives you the unvarnished truth about the world of technology public relations. Our aim is to go behind the headlines to tell you what's really going down and have a little fun in an industry that often takes itself too seriously. Every Thursday, we touch on the top stories of the week, dissecting the worlds of technology, business, politics, pop culture, and whatever else we can examine through the lens of public relations and corporate communications. We promise to be honest, straightforward, and mostly irreverent. We'll never bore you with details about which company announced what, unless, of course, we really like the what. Hello and welcome to The Embargo. Today is Thursday, June 3rd. The Ode to Wellington, New Zealand. Uh, we'll explain the reason for that in a minute. Uh, Kevin, how you doing? Great, I like that song. I've never been to Wellington. It looks like San Francisco. It looks beautiful by the water. It looks like it's cold and windy. I kind of like that. So I'm into <laughs> it, man. Great song choice. Yeah. All right, dude. So, uh... It's June. It's about to be summer. Before we get kicked off, we got a great show for you. We got a guest today, but I have a little story that I have to share really quickly. Something I, I am now a meme on Twitter. Uh, I responded recently to this. Do you want to hear about this, Kevin? Break it down. Let's hear it. <laughs> so, some guy on the internet posted a guy named investor underscore Nick underscore on Twitter said my buddy's tab after a day party at Encore Beach Club uh, he says pent up demand is very real and Vegas is back baby and he was going along and he shows a receipt for $8,600 uh, basically he bought some cheap tequila some chicken fingers for $75 some shrimp skewers for whatever and then a bunch of red bulls or fiji waters for 312 dollars and gratuity and it was a lot of money to be spending at a pool party in vegas okay and i came across it on twitter and then i remembered about a decade ago i saw a bigger receipt spent at uh the tryst at the uh, at, uh i think it was at the win and i tweeted about it next thing i know I'm in something called the bro Bible and my Twitter stream is going crazy because the receipt that I showed from the wind in Las Vegas was not for $8,000, but for $189,000. Now 
They bought four bottles of Bouvev E. Salon champagne for $25,000 each. First of, all, first of all, let me say, I don't ever want to be in the bro Bible. <laughs> I, I try every day just to avoid that. But I don't know how you charge $180,000. It's had to be a, an extravagant corporate event. Uh, you know what's crazy? The internet is a gross and sick place. It, I, I've been getting emails saying that you suck, dude. And my, yeah. my response was basically to the guy was, was, you know, you're a rookie. You know, you don't even know how to spend money properly. Right. And and it's turned into this whole thing of people accusing me of not knowing how to spend my money properly. I don't even know Listen, what happened in my tweet. I'm going to Las Vegas <laughs> in two weeks, and I, I'm, I've got pent-up demand. I, I'm anxious to get out. You know, I'm fully vaccinated, and my wife is, and we're going with a couple of friends, and I'm looking forward to being out there. But I am going to need to borrow your credit card <laughs> if, if that's not too much trouble because uh, mine's maxed out. And uh and, uh, you know, I like the way uh, I like the way you spend. So it sounds like a good time. Uh, <laughs> I, I will be there with 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 my with my prepaid debit card. <laughs> Get you go. <laughs> right, right. Right in line with the production value of our podcast here. By hey, the way. Anyways, I've, I've gotten a lot of activity on this and there's been a lot of impressions and it wasn't even my tweet. The, the real the real thing came out in 2011. Hundred eighty nine thousand dollars. Nobody knows who actually spent this kind of money. Right. Some say it was a UFC promoter and they were having fun who knows it could have been some saudi arabian prince i don't know but somebody has a lot of money to be spending 200 grand at a bar all right let's get on with the show that's my little story for this week kevin good one so nice way to start i like it well somebody oh, my, <laughs> i'm gonna introduce our guest that's to me okay <laughs> i didn't get the hand up listen let me introduce our very special guest today ben keeps ben uh ben first of all ben hello welcome to the to the embargo Hey guys, and thanks for the invitation. It's our pleasure. Um, I Ben is uh, is a lot of things. Ben is a, a technology analyst. Ben is a technology investor. Ben is a technology writer. Ben is uh, is a is an entrepreneur. Ben's a, a runner. Uh, are you still running, Ben? I am still running. That's my main thing, really. Nice. He's a, uh, he's a family man. I uh, got a couple of kids uh, who I've seen online. Uh, you've posted various times. Uh, couple of boys, I think. And uh, he's, uh, he's from Wellington, New Zealand. And uh, we wanted to have Ben on the show to talk about uh, the world of, world of technology journalism, um, technology investing. And, uh, you know, he's, he's been covering Silicon Valley uh, for a long time. And uh, Dave and I have been on the other side of the fence on the PR side. And we've worked with Ben in that capacity over the years. And I thought it'd be a good opportunity to reconnect and get Ben's take on uh, the way the tech media world is swinging these days. Yeah, I th I, you know, the thing about Ben is like, you know, he's based out there in the bottom of the earth. Um, and somehow when you're awake here, when you're awake here late at night on the East Coast, on the West Coast, if you're doing stuff, this guy would answer emails at almost every hour of the day. I don't know how he responded to us and I, I probably didn't know where you were maybe you were here but you seem to be everywhere all the time and always on ben <laughs> so yes i spent a lot of a lot of time in airplanes uh well obviously not now but over the past 15 years i've done a lot of flying yeah and so if you work in tech pr and particularly if you work in enterprise technology uh ben should be a familiar name for you so we're looking forward to catching up with you ben 
So I got a bunch of stuff I wanted to hit Dave and, and I, you know, we got a, a an agenda here. We're going to do some game stuff later, but I, I have some questions for Ben and, and we'll just kind of fire away, Ben, if you don't mind. And, you know, we'll just kind of kick these ideas around and, and uh, get oh. your take on stuff. If that's okay with you. Yeah. Fantastic. So uh, I was, you know, I'd reach out to you about coming on. And as I, when I did that, I went back and looked at some old email communications between us. And I, I think the first time that we were in touch was 2000 and uh, let's see, it was, it, it, like 2008, I think timeframe, uh, 2008, 2009. And I, I was working with an accounting software company called Intact based out here in the Valley. Uh, you were covering them. Uh, that's why I'd reached out to you. Uh, You're writing for a publication called Cloud Av. I believe, but I, I know you've been writing about tech uh, at least since uh, 2000. So according to your bio on your website, you're a one-time high school dropout from New Zealand. So my question, my lead-off question for you is how do you end up as a one-time high school dropout uh, from New Zealand, end up covering Silicon Valley? So, um, so it's, it's difficult to have this conversation without talking about the differences politically and socially between the US and, and everywhere else in the world. But um, what I would say is that uh, in New Zealand and in many countries other than the US, there's, there's you know, huge amounts of horizontal mobility. There's not that sort of, you know, if you're blue collar, you're blue collar for the rest of your life and, and, and vice versa. Um, and so in New Zealand, you know, we've got a public health system, which is an amazing thing I know to anyone in the US. Yeah. Um, and what it means is that people don't have to worry about, you know, giving up their job and doing something else. And so, um, you know, in terms of my, you know, I, I dropped out of school because, I, you know, I'm lazy um, and I, I became an electrician and, um, and I got bored with that. So I kind of gave up and started a business, a manufacturing business, making backpacks and, and outdoor apparel and, and that, um, that sounds kind of crazy within the context of, man, how do I get healthcare? You know, how do I get my health insurance? But in a world where that just happens and it's provided for, there's, there's much less barriers, much fewer barriers to, to, to kind of trying something and, and, and failing fast. And it's kind of funny, right? You know, Silicon Valley is the home of startups. It's the home of, of fail fast. Right. Um, despite the fact that the, the, the system, you know, regardless of which divide you're on the political spectrum, the system doesn't really encourage people to, to try things because there's, there's no safety there's net. No barriers. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Ben, I think I, I got to hit that pretty hard because that's personal for me. Um, you know, we, Kevin and I are in the same business and we don't have an employer, we employ ourselves. And Healthcare here in the United States is hyper expensive. It's ridiculous. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll share with you some numbers. Uh, for my family, I have a family of five. For us to get coverage, uh, we had to pay $1,200 a month, US dollars. Uh, and that was just for catastrophic coverage. So if we went to go see a doctor, I had a deductible of $10,000 I had to meet, meaning I'd pay $1,200 a month for the right to go into the hospital with a $75 copay. And then if somebody got sick or hurt, uh, you know, we would pay up to the first $10,000 of that. <laughs> and then the genius of the American uh, um, legislative system, they said, you know what, if you can afford that, you can now get a tax deductible health savings account and you can put away $5,600 a year 
if you wanted to, or $10,000 a year, if you had money to left over. So in the end, it was like 30,000 US dollars if we had to go to the hospital. I, I had two kids that cost me, you know, $10,000 a piece, <laughs> paid for the full whole thing. So, so Dave, what, what, what you're saying what, is, <laughs> you, sorry, you were going to leave the PR profession for um, uh, underwear model, but <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Something <laughs> like that. Wasn't cost but, but Ben's point is, is true. If you had, you know, healthcare like they did in New Zealand or any other modern country, more people would be entrepreneurial. They would take a chance and go do something. So, Ben, I mean, I think, you know, it's hard for Americans to see that because jobs have always been tied to healthcare, but it's an important distinction. And I'm surprised that some people who don't agree with, you know, let me just air quote, socialized medicine doesn't understand what it actually could deliver to innovation and the economy so yeah i think i think the difficult thing right is that um is that when you talk about the stuff all of some people say you're you're a crazy lefty you're a socialist and and i'm not sure why simply thinking that people should be able to get care when they're sick or or have an accident is socialism it's just humanism you know um yeah i i don't get it this is america ben <laughs> that's right America. Yeah. So, 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 tell us about covering the valley. So, you you were an electrician, then you decided to make backpacks. Still, still, draw the line. How do you get to covering accounting software in two thousand and nine? Yeah. So, I, um, you know, I, you know, I, I, I own this little business that, that that makes backpacks, and so I already always did the admin for that. In about 2006, I guess, uh, you know, a little uh, company down here in, in New Zealand started up called Zero, uh, making accounting software. Uh, and I knew the I knew the founder, um, or founders, and, and knew the team. And this is New Zealand. There's only like five people, so of course I knew them. Um, and so we started talking. And, and I, you know, I've got I've got some opinions. I started kind of writing about what you know accounting software in the cloud and stuff. And, and it was totally like there was not good management strategy or me being smart. It was simply good timing that it was about the time that Salesforce was getting started and AWS was getting started and stuff. And so, so I started blogging and all of a sudden I was one of like, you know, back then no one was talking about the cloud and, and I was, you know, you know, a few of us were. And so it was at that time, it was really easy to get some, you know, brand recognition or whatever. And so I just rode that wave and it, and it was just like, it wasn't, it wasn't good management. And because other than zero, there was not much happening down here. I just kind of focused on the US. And so Salesforce, AWS, Intact, NetSuite, you know, the, the, the usual suspect. Uh, and because no one was doing it anywhere, the fact that I was in New Zealand focusing on the US was kind of irrelevant. And so, you know, people said, you know, hey, come and talk to us or come to our conference or whatever. And I was like, well, yeah, I can do that, but I'm in New Zealand. And they flew me up and all that stuff. It's kind of like a snowball. You start doing that and then all of a sudden you, you get more recognition and then that encourages people to talk to you. And uh, and it's kind, of, it, it's kind of easy. I mean, I mean, you need to pump out content and you need to be watching the stuff, but um, it's kind of easy to, I found it easy to, to get on that, on that wagon. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that wagon because there was a time there and that was, I think blogging came out at that time and started to really take off. I mean, Michael Arrington started TechCrunch because he was just covering startups and next thing you know, it's a business and he was just trying to meet people and, and talk about that and they turned that into something. Uh, by the way, uh, 
thank you for zero and go ahead and thank the founders. As long as I don't have to buy QuickBooks, I'm happy. Um, I've been a zero customer for a long time now. Just any alternative to that. Yeah, it's a great product. And they're like, I mean, they're valued, they're valued at like, I don't know, $20 billion now and have 2,000 employees or whatever. So, um, yeah, amazing. Cool story. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you probably know, I think there was a one-time CEO there, fellow Kiwi. Andy Lark was there for, for a while. Andy he Lark was CMO. Yep. CMO, CMO, yep, yeah. Yep. So, Fleischman Hillard. Yeah, no, Andy, Andy and I worked together for, for a while. I, you, you either loved Andy or you, you hated him. So there's people that love him and there's people that hated him. And I like him. He's a Dell guy, too. Wasn't he a Dell? Yeah, it was Dell. He's everywhere. I don't know where he Dell? is now. Andy, yeah. if you're out there, come listen to us and get on our show. He would be great to have on our show after that. He would be really two, good. Yeah, yeah you know, two Kiwis in a row. <laughs> why not so yeah. I, I i think you you know you hit it though ben because you were definitely early on the cloud beat i think was that zoli erdos am i saying that yeah right? yep we started the cloud have together yep and and uh and i don't think he wrote for cloud app maybe he did but phil wainwright was super early on cloud on enterprise yeah. cloud, right i think yep. he was like, he was zd net yeah phil you was. guys had that corner locked down like that was your your space and and i you know, I feel like there was quality and depth to the reporting that you guys did, um, which was uh, in short supply, in my opinion, at the time among tech media. But I, I just, you know, so you um, you guys seem to dig into the products and the markets more so than others. So what, what were your impressions of tech media kind of at large, uh, the, kind of the, the greater population of tech media when you started writing about it? Um, love your take on that. Yeah, so I think I think for context, you know, Phil uh, is based in the UK. I'm based in New Zealand. You know, Zoli is is, is based in the Valley, um, but uh, you know has a, has a has an international perspective. And so so if you look at those three people, we we all had a perspective that was um, business centric and global. And so you know, the Valley is you know the Valley is amazing. Don't get me wrong; it's, it's incredible and exciting and all that stuff, but. But it's you know it's it's a bubble and and it's an echo chamber uh, and so I think that yeah I can't speak for for Zoli and, and Phil but I had no I, I had no context of what the valley was before I came out before I started writing uh, you know I literally uh, when I when I got invited to my first conference I literally had to Google like I knew what Silicon Valley was but I didn't know actually where it was so. Um, it's like true story. So, so I had none of that context. Uh, that's a, that, Ben. That's how we yeah. feel about New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> justifiably in my in that case. Uh, stop it, man. It looks like a beautiful place, man. It looks like, yeah, but I have no idea what it is. It looks awesome. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a long, long way. Basically, as far down as you can go before you fall stop off the end. Our guest, David. David <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think um, that's the thing. I mean, it, it, we, you know, I didn't have that that valley perspective, and therefore it it kind of gave it a dis- different slant to my my coverage. Um, and 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 at, at that time, I think that was that was kind of novel because most of the tech coverage was the the likes of you know, you know Michael or the or the or the bigger publications that were quite tech centric. Um, and and yeah, I guess I was just different. Definitely, there was there was depth to your reporting. I and from a communications uh, professional standpoint, I, I found my interactions with you to be different as well. So and and I think it's 
uh, it's something we've talked about on the show before. There's a long history of the relationship between uh, PR people and media as being fractured or difficult. Um, it's been described much worse than that uh, by people on both sides of the aisle. But I, I, it was never that way in my exchanges with you where I always felt like there was mutual respect and consideration. Um, and if you weren't gonna cover something, you let me know. And, uh, and I just, that's a unique experience and I've been doing this for a while and it hasn't always been that way. So I'm curious what your take on that is. Do you, do you think, let me just a little more context, right? Like you, there are plenty of press and Dave can speak to this that you reach out to that don't reply or when they do, they act as if they're doing you a favor and, and you know, um, and maybe they are in some cases. Uh, you, you must have, uh, you, you must have opinions on the nature of the relationship between PR and media um, that you've developed over the years, you know, what's your, what's your opinion of it? Um, yes. What's the proper so way for these parties to engage and, and so forth? So I will say um, I have got a little bit less, um, you know, my, my rule used to be that I would reply to every single email. Uh, like I'd reply, no, no canned responses, I'd reply. I don't so much now, mainly because, uh, just mainly because I kind of got, I got lazy uh, a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, whichever side you're on, and it shouldn't be sides, we're all just doing a job. We're all just trying to get through life, put food on the table, whatever. You know, like PR people don't want to, you know, hassle journalists. They don't get, you know, they don't get their jollies out of sending all these emails. They're trying to achieve an outcome for their clients. And so I think, uh, you know, it's, to me, it's, it's kind of simple. Everyone's busy. Everyone's got stuff to do. But is it that hard to just to just pen a one-line response to say, hey, hey, man, yeah, thanks, but no thanks, or, or whatever. So, um, you know, like we're here for a very, very short time. In 100 years' time, we'll all be dust. Um, no one's that important, and no one's that busy, or no one's that much of a superstar. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'd, like to, I'd like to think that I, that I try and keep mindful about about that and um, I, I, you know, I, I struggle with it a little bit because I do have, uh, you know, on, on Twitter, I do have quite a big personality and that, that often comes across as, as being super arrogant. Um, and, and I struggle with that because uh, I don't actually think I know better than anyone or know more than anyone or am better than anyone or anything. I just say what I think. And I totally accept the fact that 99 times out of 100, what I think is totally wrong. Um, but people sometimes think that I actually... I actually, you know, think that I'm right. And it's the same with the PR press relationship. It's like, I'm just a dude writing an article, my reckons about whatever. It mm. doesn't mean I'm right. It doesn't mean that it matters, um, you know, and you guys are just guys trying to get coverage for your clients. It's just the way it works. That's right. Dave, I, I, I got to say, man, that's, you don't hear that take from journalists often slash ever i mean that kind of and not to blow smoke here ben but i mean i just think it's decency and it's uh it's being a human being and and you hit it on the head i mean i don't want to call or pitch a journalist over and over uh, or bother anyone or um you know create extra work for anyone but on the other hand like i i do feel like there's a, an element of laziness uh with some press where it, it really isn't that hard to pen a one line response and say look i'm just not going to 
I'm not interested at the time. I'm not going to do this story. They don't, they don't even have to give me a reason, but it's a, I just find it's a common courtesy um, and it's lacking. And, you know, you hear, oh, we get pitched, we got a thousand pitches, we can't respond to everyone. And, you know, if we engage and you're going to, you're going to want, you know, an explanation and all, all this shit. And, and I just find it mostly to be an excuse for laziness, an excuse for uh, not engaging, a, a way to hide behind their email inbox. Um, Dave, what do you think? Yeah. So, uh, first of all, Ben, I, I love your words. So thank you for saying that. And, I, you know, it's like, you know, I think people lose perspective of what we're trying to do here in this world every day and and the jobs that we're we're doing. You know, some of us are doing totally different things or laying bricks or serving drinks or whatever. But we're, we're all going to work here trying to crack a nut and make a life for for, for each other. Uh, you know, I, I'm less inclined for response than I am just, you know, when I do respond with you, hopefully the interactions are great, meaning they're respectful and understanding. I've had some journalists, there's a journalist in the security space, I'm not going to name him, but we we know who he is. <laughs> he, like, you just checked in on him. Next thing you know, he's just, he blocks every PR person out there. Um, and what I don't like is the 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 tone of, you're not part of my job or what I'm doing. And I'm like, no, you kind of are. The whole industry grew around this whole thing. <laughs> and that's part of the work that's here, right? You know, you don't get to be, you know, an airplane mechanic without getting calls from Boeing, you know, and other people and repair shops and things like that. That's just, that's the industry you're in. And it's part of the work, how you deal with it and how that manifests itself in your, in terms of reacting to others, that's what I have a problem with, especially if it's if it's just cruel and mean. So yeah, I mean, I mean, sometimes like so to so to defend, I guess, I guess the other side, you know, you do get those pictures which are like, hey Ben, you, you wrote you wrote about security last week, therefore you really need to cover my new crypto, whatever. It's like so you know both sides need to be more professional. Um, yeah, yeah. But but decency is still should be a default. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no question about it. Um, it. It doesn't. It's not that hard. It, it really isn't that hard. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, you, uh, as far as I can tell, um, and this is based on some of the email communications that we've had, and um, and and what I've found online. You you haven't been writing about enterprise tech or you know, um, business software for a while. It looks like you were, I know you were contributing to Forbes for a couple of years in the uh, 2013 to 2015 timeframe. And then with IDG from 2015 to 2017, am I missing something or have you decided to focus your time and attention elsewhere the last few years? Is he, so are, you an are you an electrician again, Ben? <laughs> no, I'm definitely not an electrician again. Failed at that job. Um, <laughs> So I, I mean, I've written for a bunch. So as well as those, I've written for a bunch of other hubs. Um, now I do. Uh, so now I do. Um, I do saw sort of more in the tech space, more sort of analysis, which is kind of behind the wall type stuff. Uh, I do do a weekly um, a weekly article for uh, the major daily uh, daily newspaper here uh, in New Zealand, uh, which I then syndicate on on LinkedIn and through my newsletter. Um, but that is, you know, it touches on tech, but it's more about, you know, management and leadership and people and stuff like that. 
But now, um, so I've got the analysis thing kind of going on the side and still do a bit of work with, with vendors and, and, and with customers and stuff like that. But most of my time now, I, uh, I'm a professional board member, so I'm on a, a bunch of um, you know, large commercial and some non-profit boards. Um, and so I sit around board tables and it's kind of, it's, it's really interesting because, uh, you know, I, I think about, you know, you know, for example, the whole the whole cloud thing. And I spent years and years kind of, you know, waving my arms in the air saying, oh, this is what enterprises need to do. And they need to be, you know, agile and software and micro this and, you know, lambda that and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And then I sit around a board table with an organization that has, you know, with organizations that have, you know, lots and lots of employees and lots of um, technical debt and, and, and stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's not quite that simple. You know, this stuff is hard and risky and expensive and breaks core processes and um, it's it's way more complicated than than I I ever made it out to be and I think it's way more complicated than than the industry kind of makes it out to be as well. Mm. Would you go back and tell your you know yourself ten years ago if you could that there's a different you gotta have a different slant on some of the reporting that you're doing? Yeah, I think. Um, you know, I, I used to, uh, when I sort of talked with people that had those sort of big legacy applications and, and infrastructure and stuff, I'd kind of raise my eyebrows and sort of dismiss it and just say, "Oh, look, yeah, you guys just, you guys are just so backwards. You've got to, you've got to get with with the cloud. Um, just move." And and you know, like I'm sitting in right now, I'm sitting in the boardroom of 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 my my you know manufacturing business, which literally runs a, a, an MRP on on a green screen. Um, and, and it's broken and it's hard and whatever, but the reality of shifting to a, a cloud platform is is a big, big deal. So if anyone's listening who wants to offer some free licenses and free consulting to do a conversion, <laughs> I, will, I will write about you up the wazoo. Ben, uh, let me just jump in here. Like your story now from high school dropout electrician to you know, snowballing it into tech media and now board member, board advisor. It is, uh, it's kind of inspiring. I mean, last week I was with the client, actually it was Docker and then we were at DockerCon and one of the panels we put together was a women in tech panel. So were there four women developers on there? And I was just coming to check it out because we put it on near the end. But what I heard was people's journey into that role as a developer. Some of them went straight computer science through school. Some of them were just tinkerers with electronics. Another one was self-taught, right? It's the journey to where you are in a career or what you're doing is varied. And I, and and, and yours, I mean, you know, you can make a movie about that, right? Coming to high school, drop out to sitting on boards of tech companies and things. So kudos to you on that. So. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm lucky I live in New Zealand. I'm lucky that, you know, my parents gave me a good opportunity. I'm lucky that I'm, uh, I'm relatively articulate. I'm lucky I'm healthy. So, so all of that for sure. But uh, I guess that the tiny, tiny sliver that I can claim some credit for is, is that um, I've never been, you know, worried about just trying something. And so, uh-huh. uh, you know, and, and that's the thing, right? So many people... Yeah, you know, I think about my, you know, one of my my, my good buddies, uh, you know, worked uh, in in the in the oil business, and, uh, and and I remember talking to him, you know, when we were sort of in our 
late 30s or so. And I said, oh, just, dude, come back to New Zealand, build a house, just relax. He's like, oh, if I work to 65, I'm going to get my pension. It's like, and, and, and that's fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I'm right and he's wrong, but I just, I just can't comprehend if you're doing something that you don't love, not trying to find something that you do love. And if, if, you, if, you, if it doesn't work out, then you do something else. Like, it's nothing mentioned, nothing gained. Yeah. Entrepreneurial mindset there, Ben. I love it. Yeah. So um, I, I just, I wanted to grab you on a couple of things, a couple of things here, but um, I, I want to, so just this, let's, let's talk for a second about your role as a board member. And, you know, I was reading an article, I, I can't remember where I saw it, but I referenced it here in our agenda about pitch book and there's a record, looks like it's going to be a hundred billion dollars uh, invested by uh, venture capitalists in, in tech this year, which I guess, which I guess is a record. And, and to me, um, you know, I've been around the Valley long enough to remember the dot-com bubble, um, you know, here through the 2008 recession, um, when companies were still uh, receiving investments from venture capitalists, but it, it, they seemed, the numbers seemed smaller, but today, and, and I'm not a big uh, tech crunch guy or, or, you know, what have you, but I mean, the articles I have seen, I mean, some of the size of these investments are just massive lately and it and it does feel bubble-ish um and evaluations of some of these tech companies the size of these rounds um and kind of the media frenzy around them um what's your take on that now that you're uh in the boardroom and uh and not as much on the media side yeah so so there's the risk of of kind of being the little boy that cried wolf right and and you know just being seen as as negative or pessimistic but um, if you look at the macro situation, interest rates are at rock bottom. So all of that money has to go somewhere. Uh, at the same time, there's been a bunch of you know, exits. So you put those two together and it's like, well, there's no, there's no point investing in, in bonds or stuff or, or whatever. So, so we'll go into tech, we'll, we'll, we'll do a fund or, or whatever. And so that does, that does you know, jump up valuations. But it also has these these sort of secondary and, and third kind of effects. So so that means that everyone's all these companies are getting funded, some of whom shouldn't be, some valuations that are simply unsustainable and they can't justify. It means that there's all this money for talent. So talent is that much harder to to, to get, and there's talent wars. It means that what happens in a year, two years time when they need to raise again, can they actually justify you know another increment on that valuation? So. It feels like things are out of whack now. Whether that whether that is resolved by simply a, a bunch of these funded startups, you know, failing and and we kind of re, reposition, or whether it takes like a, a dot com, you know, burst like, like back in Y two K, you know, I don't I don't know, but it does feel very very frothy. Like the I, I could see like you know big tech taking a big hit. Uh, from uh, like, you know, at, at a U.S. federal government level, you know, like a breakup of Amazon or a breakup of Facebook or something like that, having a trickle-down effect on smaller companies uh, in and around those spaces. Yeah, I mean, I do, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, tech in the Valley has always been pretty arrogant and there's quite a lot of hubris there. I think that that has gone to new levels and clearly we saw that with, with you know, Zuckerberg. Uh, you know, testifying and um, just not, just utterly, not utterly, getting it. utterly, just not getting the, the the context and the temperature of 
of not just the, the, the legislators, but the world. Right. Um, the difficulty is, though, that we as consumers, um, we consume those products and we demand those products. So uh, we have to look at ourselves. So, yeah, we can blame big business, but big business is delivering what we as consumers demand. So yep. um, there needs to be a social awakening there, and I'm not sure what. I mean, I would have thought that COVID would have done that, but it doesn't seem to have done it. Uh, I think you're 100% right. I don't know what'll do it, um, if, if not for COVID in the last 18 months or so. Uh, it's a good point, but I agree with you. Uh, I, I feel like um, it's easy for us to say, you know, Facebook's out of control and Amazon's out of control, but, and I don't use Facebook, but I'm the first guy to go to Amazon when I need to buy just about anything. They've made it so easy. Um, but I, I wonder if, uh, if at some point those guys take a hit, uh, if that will trickle down and, and maybe some of the, uh, I don't know, some of the froth, some of the, the frenzy uh, in the Valley. And, and again, which I, I, you know, I, I don't blame the media for it. I mean, I think they're covering this stuff, but it, it does seem like it's reached a fever pitch in some ways with some of the press um, where it's just, you know, they're in a, in a rush to report on the, the next largest round, the next unicorn right? Um, there's a, like there's super unicorns, I think. I mean, it's just, it seems a little over the top to me. And I don't know what it's going to take to bring that back to, back to earth. Yeah, for sure. Um, Dave, I, I was going to throw out one more topic, if that's okay. And yeah, that's cool. Get, hit, hit again yeah. Something. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah I, I'd heard a term for a pre-unicorn. Um, oh, I saw it this morning. Got a, I got a random pitch from some sort of uh, database that helps investors value companies and they call them Sunicorns. Oh, great. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Just what we need. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> great. Uh, maybe I'll get my kid a stuffed Sunicorn uh, on his bed. Um, so the, here's, here's one more for you, Ben. I, I I'm, uh, I, I'm following, we did, we like to talk about tech and media and stuff, but I, we also like to talk about, uh, you know, everything from pop culture to politics and, and whatnot. And, and the, I mentioned on the show a few weeks ago, the, uh, we were talking about the, um, the conflict in Israel uh, with the Palestinians. Um, and, you know, I commented that I, I feel like there's a, like there's a communications aspect to this story that, that, that I haven't seen covered. And I guess it's more kind of in the way that I read the news and, and the narrative as I follow it. And I feel like here in the uh, United States, at least, and you perhaps it's elsewhere and, and maybe you've, you've read about it, but it does seem like there's been a shift over the last several years um, where the, uh, the media has in the United States has been uh, reporting in a way that's, I think, less favorable, mainstream media uh, reporting in a way that's less favorable uh, to Israel. And, uh, and, and I, I, I get it. I think I, um, I understand it. I find myself as a, a Jew in America and, and kind of as a liberal Jew, uh, understanding it more than I think I expected to and, and kind of appreciating that alternative perspective. And I, I, I've read some of the posts that you've uh, made, I think on, on Twitter, I guess you've comment, commented on the conflict. And I just wondered if you thought that there was a communications component to the way that this story comes out and the way it's being reported um, as it pertains to the most recent conflict in, in Israel. Yeah, and so so obviously, uh, you know, I'm I'm biased as well. I'm I'm, I'm a liberal Jew. Uh, most of my family uh, live in Israel. I've spent a, a huge amount of time there. Um, 
with that, I would say uh, I also absolutely, I, you know, I think ben, Benjamin Netanyahu is is a uh, is, is terrible. He needs to go. I think that um, there's awful things happening, but um, I, I also think that it's it's incredibly complex and very nuanced and. Uh, the Palestinian, well, Hamas for a start, but also the Palestinian uh, Authority, you know, the, the, the leadership are doing terrible things to and, and, and for their people. But, but in terms of the comms thing, yeah, it, it, it's really interesting. I think that, um, you know, for 50, 60 years, Israel has had the, the moral high ground, uh, uh, you know, it, obviously, you know, talk about the Holocaust, uh, you know, talk about, you know, the right to return, all of those sorts of things. Um, and I think it, I think it's, it's made the mistake of not having another story. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and frankly, you know, my parents are Holocaust survivors. Absolutely, we should never forget. But there's a point at which you, you simply can't justify your behaviour based on the fact that three generations ago, uh, you know, there was, was terrible stuff done. Um, I think that, uh, you know, this is, you know, the, 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 the sands have shifted. This is now a war that primarily plays out on social media right. and in mm. the hearts of mine, hearts and minds. And, and Israel hasn't worked out how to win that war. So, I, 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 you know, I, I'm not sure they can because, to be honest, uh, you know, uh, the vitriol out there is just so strong and that gets reflected to an extent into mainstream media. Um, but so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm super troubled. I'm troubled because it's so binary. You know, at the end of the day, I, I, you know, I, I defend Israel because some of the stuff that has been said just simply isn't right. You know, it's not genocide. Um, yeah. But that, that doesn't mean I think that the, the Palestinians should be run into the sea. Absolutely, I don't. And Israel absolutely does, does bad things to the Palestinians. So um, unfortunately, we live in a world where everything is black and white seemingly and uh, if you're not uh, hard left then obviously you have to be hard right and right, right, there's, right. there's no middle middle ground and I yeah I just don't I just don't know what what the end game of that is because it's it's horrible we, we've lost nuance in that in that story um, and uh, I, I think you're right a kind of a failure to transition that message over time on the uh, part of the Israelis uh, a different way of having that conversation and uh, and Kind of getting their their story out there has, has really hurt the way the media has covered them here in the United States uh, at a minimum. So I, yeah, I, I think it's, I don't know, I, whenever we talk about the news uh, on this pod, I always kind of view it through a comms perspective. And, and it does seem like in a lot of ways they're losing the comms war. Uh, so I, I, yeah, anyway, I, I just thought that was a, a worthwhile topic. Um, I know it's a sensitive issue, but I Wanted to throw it out there. We can move on to something lighter, Dave, if uh, if you like. We can do that. And thank you for sharing your comments on that. Uh, it's, uh, it's interesting to watch for sure. So let's let's move on to talking points. That could have been a talking point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, you know, something related. Let's uh, we'll, we could take ourselves down a little bit. I picked up something from Casey Newton yesterday. He is a writer at a thing called the Platformer a publication about big tech and democracy. Uh, it's a subscription thing. I think it's through Substack. I'm not exactly sure, uh, but uh, he's got a pretty good following. As we know, yeah, uh, if you've been following the news, Mr. Tr uh, former President Donald Trump shut down his blog 
after 29 days because of lack of traffic, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that group, you know, he was banned from social media. Uh, he was complaining about free speech rights. But Casey argued it wasn't never about free speech, but free reach, meaning that it was a platform, the platforms like Twitter and social and Facebook, you know, he could say whatever he wanted, but he also got reach of millions of people. Um, and that, you know, the arguments around free speech and uh, on social media platforms and banning folks isn't, that's not what it is. It's around free reach. I thought it was really cool. Would love to get your guys' take on that insight. It's, a, it's definitely soundbitey, free speech versus free reach. It, it is. Uh, you know, I, I think he's right. Um, it's one thing to put up a blog and, you know, I'm sure uh, Trump thought a bunch of people would run to it uh, in the same way that they followed him on Twitter. But I think it's just it's a it's a convenience thing. I guess it's just easier to receive tweets uh, as you're flipping through Twitter than it is to, you know, go to a website and, and check out his blog. I mean, I, I think that's what Casey Newton's talking about. It's just the ability to reach more people faster Um through a, a popular platform as opposed to something you, you know, throw together out of thin air. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about reach, it helps us, right? Sure. We do this podcast. It's just us three right here right now, but I'm going to go to LinkedIn, tell my 2000 contacts, 5,000 contacts, whatever it is, right. And Facebook and share it all around. I love the reach. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, let's go. And Barger podcast. What else do we got? Is there some? There's a bullet here on a running tally of PR pitches that Ben has gotten <laughs> since the big healthcare sector uh, cyber breach a few weeks ago. Is that ago? true? Who put that in there, Ben? Is that you? Uh, I put that in there. Yeah. So, so we had down here in New Zealand, we had a big. Um, uh, it wasn't really a breach. I mean, it was a it was a phishing uh, campaign, and somebody clicked on a link which they shouldn't have, and it shut down a whole district. Uh, you know, like four hospitals, uh, oncology stopped, doctors are using pen and paper and stuff like that. Uh, but it is interesting, um, not only am I getting, you know, you know, dozens and dozens of PR pitches, but if you if you open the newspaper, every, if, and I'm guilty of this myself because I've written a thought piece about it, but every article is someone else and their reckons about what the problem was. And so, and it's hilarious because it maps to the political, you know, the political spectrum because on one hand you've got Oh, this is an example of why the government has, you know, has to go because clearly they haven't funded the healthcare sector enough. And then on the other, it's like, you know, it's just it's just people, and you know, and then down the, at, the, at the total extreme, it's like, well, they shouldn't be using computers because clearly that's just Bill Gates trying to microchip people, and uh, they should be writing on a stone <laughs> tablet. So, so it is it is interesting. It kind of relates to that, that free reach thing. It's kind of interesting how every conversation nowadays is cast into a political light and, and your position on that issue, which is unrelated to politics, yeah. is, is always seen in relation to your political stance. And it's just, it's just bizarre. Absolutely. And, and there's no, like same thing with the, perhaps with the um, Israel-Palestinian conflict, there's, there's no nuance, there's no in-between. You're either on one side or you're on the other. Um, and there can't be any kind of, uh, any, any middle ground regardless, I guess, of, of what the story is. Right, that's got to end. It's, a, it's just, it's, it, it's making the world much more divisive, I think. I don't know what it's like in New Zealand or down under or anywhere in that part of the world. Um, but, but not to, here, not to pick here, on, 
Go ahead. Sorry, Dave. I was going to say here in America, it's it's pretty bad. And I had got off the, uh, of the phone a phone with a friend recently, and we were, were just wondering where does it go from here? You're either or, and it should not be either or. There is nuance to this whole thing. So, and, and not to pick on media, but the truth is, it sells papers or <laughs> yeah. it, it, it sells ads, right? So, I mean, it, it behooves media to, to have a side. Um, and and I well, think, uh, you know, like it's a story. You need conflict. CNN. You need conflict, right? You need you need characters. You need conflict. You need change. That's that's what the news is. So. Right, right. It's not healthy. Um, so Ben, we do this segment on the show where we're, uh, we call it "Dumb Shit PR Agencies Do," and uh, and basically we just pick on PR agencies because we used to work at them, and uh, they do a lot of dumb shit. And, and it's uh, well, it's it's uh, you know it's 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 an easy target, but. Um, and so what we talk about are kind of things, I guess, that we did, that Dave and I did in the past, and, and you're a journalist. Yeah, dude, I was always a professional, and I did this oh, yeah. tight and clean, dude, even I when right I was brand you. new. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah when, when, we were, when we sat right next to each other, we, we, yeah. we were the best right there. Nope, so. that, that, that's absolutely untrue. Never um, a mistake, Kevin. <laughs> so, so, so here are a couple, and we've you know, got a running list, but... Um, just throw a couple of these at you, Ben. You pick one that you think uh, that you may have experienced in your uh, in your role as a journalist. Long pitch emails. So you might get an email from a PR person, and instead of it being two sentences saying, "Hey, you interested in this topic?" or you know, "What do you think about this?" It's you know, seven paragraphs. Uh, you ever get one of those? Yeah, yeah, I got them. Um, and uh, I, so my attention span is very, very short. So um, yeah, they don't work with me. So no, no long pitch emails to Ben, everyone. You hear that? If you're pitching, or anybody, you're, right? Or, anything. or anyone, yeah. If you're writing I'll, a memo. <laughs> but the truth is, when I was on the agency side, uh, you know, I, I remember having a boss who said, hey, you know, what we need here is, you know, a five-paragraph essay on this topic that I want you to send out to reporters. And I remember at the moment, and I was just a kid, but I remember thinking, that's just a stupid fucking idea. Like, why would anybody want to do that? No one's going to, that's not how you have a, start a conversation with someone, but it is something that, at least in my experience, PR agencies wanted us to do, um, which uh, made no sense at the time, and, and I don't think works now. Um, how about uh, how about follow up phone calls? You ever get phone calls from anyone still, or is everything? Nobody has this number, man. The guy's way down under. You had a Skype going for a while, Ben, right? Yeah, you had, yeah, yeah. You had Skype going. I remember hitting you up on Skype for a little bit. Here <laughs> so Dave was making the follow. I was a phone call. We were talking legit business. We had something okay. going. It wasn't like, "Hey, what's going on down there?" Right, right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. So, um, so distance gives you a bit of protection from that one. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you didn't have like a local cell number, so nobody was going to call you. You know, what are the rates in New Zealand these days? So, yeah, yeah. What about this, Ben? When you're over here, you come to a trade show, ass kissing, sweet talking, you. Anybody do that for you? Did you ever feel weird and uncomfortable? We're like, hey, Ben, you're all the way down from New Zealand. Thanks for being in the office today. I I, I totally, so I I mean, yeah, and I think, you know, we've sort of reflected on it in, in, in our conversations already. Like, you know, we are all just people. And so, um, you know, just because I maybe, and, and no one cares. This is, this is tech. You know, some dude that writes about cloud computing, I mean, it's not like I'm doing something important. I write <laughs> writing about writing about sports or something. So, um, so honestly, when when I when I get that, it's like you you can't be genuine because I'm not that important. I don't deserve to be sucked up to the way you're sucking up to me. And and my thing is, you know, like honestly, 
I just want to hang out with people that I actually like. And so if, if, if someone needs to engage with me on a professional basis, but we have nothing in common, then just, just do the business, get the transaction done with, and don't, don't try and be nice because it's painful for them and, it, and it's painful for me. Um, and, and that's totally fine. Like I've, I've got no problem that, that someone I have to engage with professionally and I you know, don't, you know, aren't, aren't buddies. Um, so just, just be genuine as my, my guidance. Yeah, there you go. Not needed. So, uh, Dave, you want to wrap this thing up with uh, rep fire refer? Or yeah, yeah. Let, let, our, our, our always on segment is rep fire and refer. Uh, and ben, you know what this is? Have you seen, have you heard of this? I have not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so okay. Get ready for it. So we're picking three topics. You get uh, a, one choice for each and you have to assign them. You can't get out of it. You either represent them, you fire them, or you refer them to somebody. And you, know, you were their counsel. They're their counsel, their sure. investor, their agent, their PR, right. whatever it is. Sure. So we're going to, the three topics are Tokyo Olympics, solar winds, and CEO pay. And Kevin, do you want to want to uh, put some context behind any of those? Not really. I yeah. mean, kind of the, the CEO pay people, there's an article about CEOs getting paid tons of money during the pandemic, the solar winds thing, everybody knows, you know, they're getting responsible for uh, a lot of the, or, you know, the, I guess the, I don't know, what would you say the source of the hack or the, yeah. uh, you know, the, 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 the mechanism for it. And then the Tokyo Olympics, like, you know, what, what the hell are we so, supposed so to do this, the, this is actually easy. So yeah, I'm a runner. I'm a runner. So clearly I'm going to represent the Olympics despite the fact that it shouldn't go on because okay. I, I get to see that. And, and I'm actually going to, as, as is my want, I'm going to slightly twist the rules of engagement here. <clears throat> and I'm going to say, you know, SolarWinds, I, I know a great PR uh, consultant called David, and he's great at cybersecurity <laughs> and, 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 and acts and breaches. And he, he can definitely hook you up for that. But in terms of CEO pay, I can hook you up with a guy that's done a lot of work with some accounting vendors and uh, he, knows, he knows all about money. And, and so I'm actually going to refer two of these, uh, two wow. of these because I've, I've got the men for them. And you're, too, you're too nice a guy to fire anyone is what I'm doing. <laughs> that's good a good stuff. one, man. That's a good well, one. Uh, well played. Well yeah, well, Ben, thank you for your time. Uh, I know it's early there for you, or maybe not that early. I don't know what time it is in New Zealand right now. So thanks for being on the show. Tell your friends about us. We will definitely look you up when you, we get down there for sure. Uh, I, I, I know enough New Zealanders now to actually make a visit. So uh, I will hope to be there soon. So thanks. Uh, thanks, guys. Really yeah. appreciate that. Kevin, are we, we're on next, no, we're not on next week because uh, I am taking a holiday. So we will be back in a couple of weeks uh, with some more shows. Uh, we are now on Spotify and we have a music list on Spotify. Ben picked the, the songs this week. And so all the songs from all the shows are there and we're also available on iTunes and as well as Podbean. So thanks everyone for being here, Ben. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. And we will see you all soon. 